Hi, I'm Jacqueline Kinser, and for the past five years, I've been helping families all around the globe to overcome their breastfeeding challenges. And this is the first non-clinical breastfeeding podcast that shows you how to rock breastfeeding and master motherhood through practical tips, mindset shifts, and honest conversation to create a confident and empowering breastfeeding journey. This is the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. Welcome to the Breastfeeding Talk Podcast. I have an incredible working mom of two with us today, Lisa Myers, who is here to talk about lots of awesome things, her own journey, and we're going to get into just, just all kinds of things, breast milk, tongue ties, who knows. We're going to go a lot of different places. So welcome, Lisa. Oh, Jacqueline, that was a great introduction. Now I I was excited about our conversation before. Now, like the sky's the limit. There are lots of opportunities. Um, You know a bit about my struggle and I know a lot about your podcast and I could not be more grateful to be here with you because the things you share with moms and parents and the people that you bring on are just holistic, supportive, empowering people. And it's what moms need to hear during one of the most challenging times in their life. I really feel that breastfeeding and, and getting good at it and getting to your goal, whatever that might be is, is a a huge challenge, like nothing I had ever encountered in my life. And so I'm just really grateful that you have created the space for moms, like on Instagram, on social, and then through your podcast. So thank you very much. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, it's stories like yours that I want to bring to people because I think sometimes they're on these different channels and they feel like they're the only one, like what's wrong with me? Why can I not figure this out? Somehow I must be this magic special unicorn that is having this problem. And why don't other moms have it? And sometimes that is kind of the downfall of social media, right? As we see, you know, some celebrity posting a beautiful photo, breastfeeding their baby on the beach. And you're like, why can't I have that? Um, So we're trying to change that conversation for sure. And I also don't want people to think, oh, breastfeeding is terrible. I don't even want to try that, you know? So there's a fine, fine line, but through the struggle, you can come out the other side and sort of, you know, maybe you don't find the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but you can definitely at least find the rainbow. So (laughs) tell us a little bit about you because you have two children and things, you know, it wasn't like you were just like, Oh, breastfeeding is amazing. It's easy. And I'm like this, you know, just, I love breastfeeding every moment. Like tell us about (laughs) what happens with your kids and your experience becoming a mom. Yeah. So, um, So my daughter is seven now. My son, well, she just turned seven. My son is just turning three. And um, I was very excited to be a mom. I um, I lived out in Philadelphia at the time. I went to University of Pennsylvania to see the doctors there. I was a geriatric uh, pregnancy. So as I used to joke with my husband, I'm suffering from this horrible geriatric condition. And unfortunately it's getting worse every day. (laughs) As I would be more pregnant. I'm like, I am getting to be more geriatrically pregnant. Um, 
But my pregnancy went really, really well overall. I was healthy and active right up to the end. And I was going to see the midwives and I thought it was this whole really great, joyful, blissful, enlightened experience. And that the midwives would tell me everything that I needed to know because they were these wise women. And um, that was partly the case and partly not. So I ended up with a huge knot on the top of my stomach. Like my daughter was a week overdue. And it turns out I have diastasis that my, my muscles had separated, which I wasn't really prepared for after pregnancy. I could not figure out why after running for miles, relentlessly pushing a stroller in terrible heat, I still looked like I was six months pregnant, but that's a different story for a different podcast. So I was in labor for 52 hours and then had an emergency C-section and um, as you and I were able to briefly talk about before, it was a what's called a baby-friendly hospital. And that term bothers me because the implication is that if you aren't following these protocols and trying to achieve these numbers for breastfeeding, you're somehow unfriendly toward babies or mothers. But a baby-friendly hospital, from what I understand, and I'm sure you can explain more, the emphasis is on breastfeeding, that everyone is kind of geared toward, educated for supporting, and in my feeling at the time, slash forcing a mother to breastfeed. And so while breastfeeding was a goal of mine, I hadn't given it much thought during that labor. I was just trying to survive and come out the other side come to in my hospital room with my beautiful, healthy daughter beside me and look up and there's the little dry erase board in front of me. It will actually quite big and written in huge capital letters underlined for my goal for the day was exclusively breastfeed. And I kind it was just jarring because at the time my goal was to meet my daughter and live through that day, get us both to the other side of it and uh, breastfeeding. Sure. But I just hadn't really thought like, that's my goal. And no one had consulted me. Certainly no one put that up there because I had told them that was my goal. And so it was just like, Oh, okay. So that's what we're doing. Like that is what I'm supposed to be trying to do above all else. And then I went to the breastfeeding meetings and very nice, well-intentioned women were there. And we all sat in a circle with our partners or without our partners, depending. And they said, you know, you are going to be able to breastfeed. Every mother can breastfeed. Um, You need to just keep at it no matter what. If it's painful, you're doing it wrong, but you just figure out a position that works. And we're going to show you all the different positions. But if you need to stand on your head and your baby breastfeeds that way, that's the way it needs to be done. And we're going to figure that out, which was kind of supportive and also a little bit overwhelming. Like no matter what you will do this. And two days into our hospital stay, Tegan is, my daughter is screaming in the room, just screaming and she won't stop crying and being a new mom and not knowing what to do or what's going on. I said to my husband, she's hungry. Like, I don't have any milk. I don't know. I don't know why I don't have any, but she's hungry and I can't feed her and we have to help her. Like, I cannot listen to her cry like this. This is not right. And so you need to get someone. And so 
he brought one of the nurses um, that was on duty in the middle of the night in, and she slipped me some Similac formula. Like she was slipping me crack. She said, I'm not supposed to be giving this to you. You know, basically like if anyone asks, you aren't formula feeding your baby and you didn't get it from me. And it, it, it was so great to have her help. But what I think I needed at the time was information. And it did bring this like element of shame into the way I was feeding my daughter that I think probably a lot of moms have experienced. And from that point on, I was always supplementing breastfeeding with formula. And I think looking back, because I was lucky enough to have an incredible lactation consultant, just the wisest, most beautiful woman helping me with my son. She said, Lisa, you know, I I think that your milk might've been fine. It might not have come in, but you had what you needed. She probably had a headache. Like, can you imagine you were in labor for 52 hours? You know, it was hard on you and it was hard on her. She might've had a headache, like anything could have been going on, but I don't know that she was necessarily hungry. And that's too bad that happened, but this is a new baby and a new opportunity. And you don't have to worry. You're not going to have milk this time because you didn't have milk that time. I think you had the milk and it just didn't work out, but let's, let's figure this out for you with Colin. So then fast forward those couple of years and my son, I have my son, um, we're in the hospital. Um, it's a great, a different experience. It was a a scheduled C-section. So I felt a lot more in control, of course, But um, he was diagnosed with a lip tie and a tongue tie, but the lactation consultant at the hospital said, but it looks like he's latching fine, so you don't have to worry about it. Maybe see what your pediatrician thinks down the road. So uh, I speak with my pediatrician. She says, "Ah, I see what she's saying. It's kind of trendy, this whole lip tie, tongue tie thing. Uh, He's gaining weight just fine. Um, you know, are you in a lot of pain? And I've always been, I like grew up on a farm. I'm a hard worker. I went to law school at night while I worked full-time in government. Like I was just a, we're going to do this. You put your head down, maybe you suffer, but that if it was easy, everyone would do it. You know, that's just kind of the thinking. And so, um, I thought, okay, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. And this lactation consultant, Katie Dunning, who's just the greatest woman, she came, she came and she's watching me feed Colin. And she said, that toe curling pain that I see you're in, she's like, is that every time? Does that go away at any point? I'm like, nope, nope, really doesn't. It's there the whole time. And she's like, all right, we're going to figure this out. And so I, I, I want to get to the conversation and, and get your questions and figure out how to best, um, speak to your listeners and the moms out there. But the thing that Katie said to me that I think made all the difference because I exclusively breastfed Colin for two years and, um, did so without pain because we got the advice we needed and we had his, um, tongue tie revision with a laser with just the best, um, pediatric dentist. But the thing that Katie said to me was, we're going to make this work for you. Like Colin is really important. Your son's really important, but you are also part of this. And if he gets one ounce a day, Lisa, you're doing so much for him. And like, I could almost start crying talking about it now, but like, it's okay. Like just one ounce and you're going to really help him. So, <laughs> so silly, I'm crying, but it was just, it, 
it's why I was so successful is because she cared enough about me. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. You know, um, because I think that maybe she has a similar background to me. I came from being a La Leche League leader and, you know, I don't know if it was just ingrained in my head there, um, that approach of like every single drop of breast milk you can give your child is the biggest gift. And like, that's what we told everybody, you know, um, because it is, it is. And you know, a lot about breast milk actually. So now at least yeah. in your life, right. So, um, it's not just food. It is this living substance that is so life-giving and really any amount is, is magical. And there are moms out there who, you know, have used breast milk for things other than breastfeeding that will tell you that's very much the case, right? Um, putting it on wounds or uh, in ears for ear infections or eyes for eye infections or whatever, right? I mean, it's just, you know, there's there's so many times I hear people share stories like that. So I am so glad that you got connected to Katie, however that magically unfolded for you. But I'm so sad about, you know, these experiences that you've shared too, that really, I mean, you know, kind of put a stop to things for you the first time around. And then the second time around, um, seemed like it maybe delayed things a bit for you. So you said with your son, Colin, you got his ties treated. Um, what kind of a difference did you see that making? Because you said you were able to breastfeed him until he was two. Yeah. So, um, I have, a, I ha- I'm so glad you asked because I have a great story about that. So, um, so I felt really guilty about having a surgery performed on my son, my tiny little infant son, because I, my understanding is the sooner you can get to it, the better. Um, and so with my pediatrician, who's a really great woman and I, you know, trust her in a lot of ways, but, um, with her telling me, eh, he'll grow out of it. It's kind of trendy now to get these tongue ties like fixed. He's gaining weight. He's fine. I mean, if you want to do it for you, if you're in a lot of pain. And so like for so many moms, right? Like we're like, ah, like if I could just like bear this pain for my child, then I won't have to subject them to the surgery and, and more pain for them. And so Katie said, go see Dr. Self, she's this amazing uh, pediatric dentist uh, near me um, in the Seattle area. And she's this very plain spoken woman. And I immediately knew she wasn't going to oversell me on something. Like she, she has enough going on. She does not need to like bring in more clients by just rolling out tongue tie revisions. And so she took a look and when Colin would cry, his, his tongue tie was so, um, tight or pronounced that when he would cry, his tongue could not go past his teeth, but it was also heart shaped, right? Like it was pulled back in a, in a little heart. And so she took one look at him and she was like, yeah, he has a tongue and a lip tie. I don't think the lip tie is interfering. I strongly recommend you have the revision. And she always plans enough time that she'll do the, um, the exam And then if she finds that there's indication for the revision, she can do the revision with the laser right then and there. And so she did. um, And 
Colin was, I think he was probably three or four weeks at the time. And she brought him back. I think he was probably a month old. She brought him back. And so I'm out of the room because they're trying to keep the operating room and the laser. They just, they want to keep that, you know, pristine. So she brings them into the the nursing room, the room where the mom waits. And then they immediately want the baby to latch because of course, breast milk as a, you know, antibacterial, antimicrobial, all of the healing properties of it. And then just that, um, the, the dopamine release or whatever they get from being held and nursing, they want that for them to help with the pain. And I am telling you, Jacqueline, I made a better decision as a mom. I put him to my breast to nurse and the little guy, you know, goes to latch like he always does. And I didn't realize that he he was holding onto my breast with his, with his gums, right? That was the only way he could really nurse. And he was able to like fully open his mouth and properly latch. And he's only, you know, a month, they're like little puppies, right? They're, they barely have any response and they're kind of just like looking around without a lot of purpose. Sometimes it seems his, he latched and his eyes just got so wide and he looked up at me and milk is spilling out of the sides of his mouth. And he was just like, what is this? Like, what is this I'm now able to do? It was just so much more effortless for both Colin and myself. And then since then, um, taking him to see the dentist and then me going to see my dentist, I've heard from my adult dentist wow, that's the best thing you could have done for him. I see so many patients that have tongue ties, never had them revised. He said it, you know, impacts the shape of your palate. It impacts the way your teeth form. You can have all kinds of lasting conditions, you know, certainly not life-threatening or hugely impactful for some people, but he said, that's really the best thing you could have done for him. I'm so glad you got that advice and I'm glad it worked out. But yeah, so that was my, that was my happy story about what a good decision that was. I'm so glad I did that. Oh, that's amazing. And I love that you were able to get connected to a great provider like that. And then notice that immediate difference right after uh, the procedure was done. So that can be so validating if you're kind of going into it, like you said, with, well, am I doing this for me? Am I being selfish? Sometimes moms sort of think that, you know, um, or they're just worried about, you know, we're doing this big thing to the baby. What if it doesn't change anything? And so now there's like proof on the other side. So yay. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was really, really great. I'm so grateful that I did, that I had the advice that I I got and everyone was well-intentioned, you know, even from that first lactation consultant in the hospital, my pediatrician. It's just, you've said before on other shows, and I know other moms have said it, going with your gut and, and getting a second opinion or finding someone that's willing to really listen to you that you can feel comfortable talking with. Because I mean, Katie just would watch me feed him. And she was like, I, I see, I see some terrible pain there. And I'm just wondering, like, how long do you think you can do that? And is that something you really want to do? And can we talk about how to get that to go away? So yeah, it was, it was nice to have that support for sure. 
Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, hugely amazing. So you had two totally different experiences with each of your children. Um, you nursed your son till he was two, but you're also a working mom. So I'd love to hear about that. How did you manage continuing that breastfeeding relationship while also maintaining your career? Because I know that's a big fear for a lot of moms if they haven't gone back to work yet, but it's coming up soon. Or sometimes even once they are back at work, they they just feel like it's a big struggle. So how did you make it work for you? I am not special by any means. I went back to work fully intending to pump and feed Colin to the best of my ability, but I didn't put a lot of pressure on myself that if I had to supplement with formula that that was going to be the end of the world. When Katie told me, even if he just gets an ounce a day, giving myself permission to just do that much and then do what little bit more I could gave me, empowered me to do it all. It was just so nice to have that perspective. I think if I would have thought to myself on that first day, especially being in that much pain, you're going to do this for 24 months and you're going to do it at work and you have to have a stash and it has to be perfect. And if you slip up and you need formula, you've totally failed. I think if I had gone in with that perspective, I would have never made it that far. So I went in with a very practical approach, but I had not pumped with my daughter. So I only... I felt so prepared, showed up to work with my pump and all the parts and I pumped and I had, I think I had something, you know, awesome. So proud of myself, like eight ounces, like first pump session. Ah, terrific. I'm doing so good. And I have the little plastic Medela bottle sitting on my desk and I work in a law firm. The entire group is men while there are women in the office. It's, I've always worked in predominantly male industries. I was in politics I was a coxswain on the men's crew team when I was in college. And now I'm the one woman in this group of guys um, at my law firm. And I thought, oh, what do I do with these bottles of milk? This was not well executed. Where do I keep them safe? Also, I mean, while I'm not ashamed to be breastfeeding, it's not necessarily what you always want to lead with. If you have a client or a male partner come into the office, there's that awkward like, oh, wow. So that's your milk, you are actively lactating. That is, ha, huh, I'll just be out here in the hall. Right. right. So, so I, yes. I like now, now everyone who encounters you is also going to lactate. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I'm not saying I'm like trying to hide it, but I'm also not necessarily leading with that in every conversation. Right. So, so I thought, ah, where do I put this milk? So I, didn't hadn't brought anything with me. I have an hour long commute to get home. So I ended up figuring out, okay, I got to put it in the communal fridge in the lunchroom. So I tuck the little bottles of milk into my suit pockets. And then I go to the fridge and I go to put them in the fridge and there's everybody's, you know, sandwiches and soups and takeout from the restaurant. And I thought, "Mm, that's not good. And so then I went into office services and I got a little paper bag and I put it in there. And then I hurried home, you know, scared that my milk was going to spoil and shoved it in the fridge and thought I have to do something else tomorrow. And 
I got to the office. I looked and looked and looked for something to transport my milk in because I knew I was going to have to travel for work. And I had this commute and I just wanted something convenient where I could pump and then just have it with me, you know, close to me and be able to like run for home at any given moment because I was always racing to um, catch my ride home. And so I thought, ah, I'll get the, the breast milk bottle to cool breast milk thing. So I go onto the internet and I look and it's not there. And I'm finding all of these coolers and I had seen the coolers, but I thought, no, under no circumstances, I do not have enough space in my life or on my frantic run to and from work every day for another bag. And then you have to freeze the chemical freeze pack and then all the plastic. And I thought, nope, not that. I'm not doing that. I need the breast milk bottle that can chill. And I don't have to like, remember to freeze stuff night before. And my friend who was a labor and employment attorney who worked at a different department, she was like, Lisa, I don't understand what you're doing Buy the cooler. I said, no, there must be something else. This is insane. Like there's so much, there's so many other options in every other way. Like this is crazy. She said, no, this is it. I am buying you a cooler. I am tired of watching you look for something else. I'm buying you the cooler. So still my little black, you know, canvas, the deal cooler that everyone knows so well with the blue chemical freeze pack. That is a gift for my friend, Helen. And, um, that was the day I decided I was going to create series chill, which um, we, we can get into more some other time, but it's a breast milk chilling thermos. It's like a, a, a hydro flask for a Yeti, um, but it's two chambers and you can chill up to 24 ounces of breast milk. It keeps it cold for 20 hours. And if you need more time, all you have to do is add ice. And I just, I knew that the world had better options for everyone else. And so why not moms? And it just bothered me to no end that coolers after all the innovation that we had seen with pumps and, you know, like hands-free bras and you name it, not to mention all the innovation for men in the world. I'm like this, this has to change. So, and since then I have been um, following breast milk research. I am a huge fan, Dr. Townsend, I've mentioned to you before, I think he would be an amazing guest on your podcast, but he yeah. has yeah, so yeah. connect us because it'd be so cool. Yeah. He's so he's at, um, Vanderbilt university. He's a biochemist, just a genius. And he is determined to share with the world how powerful breast milk. There's this, this old thinking out there that it's frail and we have to be so careful and delicate with it. And it must be chilled to just this temperature and never combine warm with chilled because you're going to increase the bacteria, but that's ignoring everything that we now know about breast milk, which is that it's antibacterial. It's antimicrobial. It has the most incredible live cells that are actively working to keep it healthy for your baby and to populate your baby's gut with everything that baby needs to be healthy um, and overcome so many diseases. I mean, it's just, it's, I feel like it's doing women and parents a real disservice to, to continue to approach breast milk, like it's frail and not recognize how powerful it is. And so I think that's why Dr. Townsend's work is so important. And Dr. Selwagen, she's amazing. She started the university um, of San Diego uh, milk bank 
And she has done phenomenal research in the area. She's known as Dr. Milkwagon because this is like, this is her thing. But she sits on the American Board of Pediatrics um, breastfeeding uh, department and she's, she heads it up and she's just, she's just the neatest woman. So they're really great scientists out there. The amount of research that's been done in the last five years on breast milk surpasses everything that's pretty much been done in the last hundred. So we're, we're at a really exciting time and I'm just so excited to learn more every day and have someone like you sharing real information with moms rather than just old rules that were convenient for whoever said them, you know, 25, 30 years ago, but aren't actually based on science. Oh, so true. So true. You know, I remember even it might've been about four years ago or so that there was some research. I forget the the doctor's names involved, but it, out of the university of North Carolina about how much longer breast milk is good for than we initially thought at room temperature in the fridge, all the things. Right. And then I think it was Last year or tide flies, maybe the year before, I don't know, 2020 is like a wormhole. So recently um, where the CDC had up- updated, quote unquote, its guidelines for storing breast milk. And I was really disappointed by what they put in there because it just is way too short. So how these moms are just throwing out their milk. I mean, did you find, because you you said, you know, when you were early on in this pumping journey and working, you're trying to rush home or you know, whatever, were you ending up throwing out some breast milk because you thought it's not good anymore? Yeah. Yeah. I threw out, oh, I must have thrown out and I did not produce enough. So when I say, and maybe some moms will take issue with this and I don't want to deceive anyone. When I say I exclusively breastfed my son, I, he had probably five of formula maybe more when I would go on trips because I was never, I never really made enough to create a stash or maybe I wasn't disciplined about it enough. I really admire moms that are able to build that stash. And that is a goal of theirs. And I think it is such a beautiful thing. I think there is, um, there's a dangerous obsession with the freezer, like building a stash for the sake of like having this hoard, kind of how we get fixated on a scale and our weight rather than what's healthy and how um, fit we feel. But anyway, that's, that's, I digress. But my son kind of to make like, <laughs> it seems like the moms who have stashes, it's like, it's like, uh, well, first of all, they don't need it <laughs> most of the time. But second of all, it seems like they're sort of validating their worth as a mother because they have 200 ounces or something. And it's like, well, yeah, but what about moms like you who don't have that stash? Are you now less of a mom? No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, um, and for some women who overproduce, it's like, you know, you always want what you don't have. Like women who overproduce, I feel for them because, oh my gosh, they have to pump just to be able to get through a day comfortably. Um, so that's like a whole other thing that I didn't have to deal with. I dealt with other stuff, but yeah. So I probably threw away, I would say I easily threw away gallons of breast milk because it, it was hundreds of ounces for sure, because I would take work trips And if that chemical freeze pack isn't perfectly frozen, TSA makes you throw it away because it's potentially a bomb, right? They can't test the insides. So they they want it frozen or at least still ice crystals. And anyone, any mom who's traveled can tell you no mini fridge is freezing that thing. I mean, it will get it cold. It will not get it frozen. And so, so especially when I 
traveled. I don't know that it with the five hour flight or whatever it took me to get home, that would have almost certainly been safe, even without it being chilled at all. Um, and then yeah, the combining warm to chilled. I know lots of moms that throw away ounces because they're like, well, it's not really by the time I do, I wash all of the bottles and I get it to a fridge and I chill it and then I combine it. Uh, it's, it's not really worth it. And then they throw it away and they're not, they don't have tons of breast milk. They, they're throwing away ounces that their babies would have otherwise drank because they feel like it's not safe or it's too hard, that extra step. And maybe to some moms who aren't in it yet, or other moms who have a lot of support, that sounds silly or it's hard to understand. But when you're trying to survive each day and you're just trying, you're, you're, you are completely sleep deprived. You're worried about work deadlines and your baby's health and how messy the house is and how you're, you know, there's distance between you and your partner or whatever else. It's like one more thing, like one more bottle to wash, one more chemical freeze pack to remember to put in the freezer night before. Sometimes it's just too damn much. You're like, um, you know what? I'm tapping out like, or I'm throwing this away and that sucks and it doesn't feel good, but like, this is what I need to do right now to survive and fine. And what bothers me, I, I can't help but get on my soapbox about this is some of these rules are just so arbitrary and they just felt safe to some person that they didn't apply to decades ago. Like some possibly older white man that was trying to err on the side of caution. And he knew how you should treat a raw chicken breast. And so he just applied that logic to breast milk. And there is, they could not be more different. Dead animal flesh is very different than live cells in breast milk and what our breast milk does for our babies. And as you said, like in other applications is just astounding. And so, yeah, so I, I know hundreds of ounces are being thrown out every day because I have participated in that. And I've spoken to the moms that have as well. And it's, it's a shame. So I'm hoping it it's so sad. It's I, I've done it too. I, I will never forget first time I left my daughter, it was like a little over 24 hours. And I, you know, I really had a hard time pumping to have extra. So I kind of got to the end of it and like, theoretically it should have been enough, but I was like, no, I think I like, I think she eats more than the average baby. So I went to two friends and I got some of their milk to have on hand just in case, which thank God I did. Cause she did go through my milk and she would have been a very unhappy baby. Um, and so, you know, I pumped whatever, and then I brought that milk home, but I didn't have a good system for cooling it. So by the time I got it home and I was just going to breastfeed her, I wasn't going to bottle feed her now that I was back. I had this milk that I was like, I don't know, it's been in my suitcase and the plane temperatures. I know it's cold up there in the air and then it comes down and I don't know if this is any good, you know? So I just kind of threw it out, which was so sad. Then the next time I went on a trip, I think I was gone for like, you know, maybe two days or two and a half or something. Um, I think I was presenting at a conference and I obviously had a pump to maintain my supply the whole time I was there. And I tried to find like someone locally, you know, that would accept the milk as a donation that was looking for it. You know, I tapped into all the little local milk sharing groups. Nobody's really willing and like free breast milk, a lot of ounces. I mean, someone wants it, right? 
I'm a freaking lactation consultant. You know, the milk's good. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, trust me, take my milk and nobody would take it. So I remember, and you know, I had little mini fringe, like you're saying, right. I mean, that stuff never freezes in there. And I remember at the end I like held out, like I was like, I even asked the hotel, will you save this in like your kitchen freezer and someone can pick it up later. And they agreed to do it. And I wow. never anyone who said they would come pick it up. So I'm checking out of my hotel and I opened up all those bags and poured it down the drain because I was like, there is no point in me taking this all home, not knowing how well it's going to really be taken care of, or God forbid they throw my suitcase around or what, and it's, you know, whole, whole pops in the bag. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Right. So I poured it all down the drain and I was an IBCLC. So it just killed me. So anyways, I get it. I wish I had a series chill or five at the time because I would not have had to deal with that. And then I know there's programs where, you know, you can get a box and that you can ship it back home or whatever. You know, that's expensive. And that takes a lot of logistics stuff too. And like you said, I mean, my goodness, I'll leave clean dishes in my dishwasher for two days because I just can't deal with unloading it. These moms who have so much going on and for them to go through all this, you know, sort of extra length to do what they're being asked to do, it's a lot. You yeah. know, nobody got time for that. <laughs> so no, no, no you're and I love that you explained. I actually would love for you to explain a little bit more what the series chill is because I didn't know about it till somehow you popped up on Instagram. And I was like, what is this? And at first I was like, oh, it just looks like a, you know, like you said, like a, like a Yeti or whatever water bottle. Right. And I was like, oh yeah, those are great for insulation, whatever. No, it's not just that. Like, what is it? Cause you said you put ice in it. I think a lot of people are being like, so you put ice in the milk. Doesn't that water it down? No, you don't put the ice in the milk. So tell us how that works, because I think it's important for parents to understand what their options are because yeah, like you said, the cooler thing does not always work great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I wanted, again, back to women being, um, proud and empowered. I, my mom used to say to me, Lisa, always make sure you invest in good workout clothes because having ill-fitting or really unflattering clothes that make you feel bad will just be one more reason for you not to work out. Right. So I, I've always kind of like, just kind of like applied that to a lot of things in life. And I feel the same way about breast milk and breastfeeding. And I used to see, you know, the, the really cool support that goes on in communities like yours, where women get the little badges for six, I made it to six months. I made it to 13 months. I thought I wouldn't make it past three, but here I am at 18, you know? And I thought, yes, like, why do we have to have all of these plastic pieces and like gross skeevy canvas bags that you can't wait to burn when you are done with breastfeeding, that you're just enduring this time. Like again, putting your head down and yeah, it's a burden and yeah, it's painful and sure it might be ugly, but like, I'm just doing it and I'm doing it for as long as I can. And then I'll be done with it. I thought, why not have something really beautiful that is yours for the rest of your life that helps you, that is, that's a help to you during this time. And then you have it and you use it and you're so proud of what you accomplished during those months or years. And so it's a two chambered system. It's, it has, it's all stainless steel, um, dishwasher safe, the outer chamber. If you put it in a crazy dishwasher, it will discolor, but all the other parts are dishwasher safe. They're compatible with all major breast pumps. 
So you hook your breast pump directly to the stainless steel containers. And um, there is a three ounce cup for one side that converts and also becomes a baby bottle. So you can feed the baby on the go as well. And then um, there's a 12 ounce chamber. So you can store up to 24 ounces and chill it. You put the ice either in the inner chamber or in the outer chamber, depending on how much capacity you need. So there's either 12 ounces, 24 ounces of capacity, or 34 if you already have your milk chilled. But um, I wanted something that was beautiful and versatile and gave moms choices. And so you don't have to remember to freeze something the night before. You just put ice in on the go, either in the beginning of your day, because you want to have ice later or ice wherever you end up. But when you go through security um, in an airport, all you do is let them run the test strip over milk like they always would. But you've dumped out your, you know, your outer chamber with ice and water. And then you walk straight through security and you walk up to any, you know, soda fountain or Starbucks or bar. You get a scoop of ice and you're back in business for 20 hours. And if you need more time, you add more ice. But it's super subtle. So back to my story about my little you know, lineup of all of the milk I had created that morning. It's a bottle that you can have sitting out in plain sight and people think, oh, nice water bottle. She's hydrated. Good for her. Um, And it doesn't, you can either say, oh no, this is my cool breast milk chiller. Let me tell you about all the things I'm accomplishing as a mom and a lawyer or a flight attendant or a truck driver or whatever, or you could not talk about it. It's your choice and it's your cool nifty secret. Um, and I just, I wanted moms to have choices and I get that series chill might not be the right choice for everyone, but I know it was a help to me and what keeps me going because it's not always easy. My husband's deployed. I have two little kids. I'm working full time and I am not a rock star. Definitely not a rock star every day. I think I have rock star moments. Um, what keeps me going are the moms that, that we've been able to help that, that I have helped that, are, you know, fighter pilots or like I said, truck drivers or stay at home moms who are over producers and have to pump in the middle of the night and ha- can leave it sitting on their nightstand and not have to get up. They're like the fact that I can roll over and go back to bed and know my milk is safe is a really big deal. And it goes back to that point we were talking about. If you can just eliminate one of the barriers, if you can just offer women a little bit of power and a little bit of beauty to celebrate what they're doing, I think it might go a long way and moms deserve all the support they can get and I can give them. That's for sure. Oh, I love that. And, and if you don't mind, I was going to just share a couple examples of it, of it too, not, not your product, but how people kind of, you know, hacked and created things without, you know, before you came along. Um, I was mentioning I was gone, you know, for a trip one time and my husband was taking care of my daughter and he had, I will give him so much credit. He's an engineer. So he just like MacGyvered this, right. But he got a little cooler and he put ice in it and he put the breast milk in that. Cause you know, she would just not sleep if, if someone left. Right. So she was like, he was sleeping in bed with our daughter to keep her asleep, but then he didn't want to have to like go to the fridge to get the milk and warm it up. Like it was going to take too long. She was going to be too upset and he's tired and whatever. So he had like the cooler with the milk and then he had put hot water in a stainless steel thermos. And then he would 
put, take the bottle of breast milk and put it in that warm water, like a bottle warmer. And then he would like have the bottle ready to like feed her. So he figured this all out on his own, like years ago, you know, um, or I was really good friends with the woman in my mom's group who nannied for a little boy whose mom, you know, produced tons of milk. Um, and you know, so the nanny would have to feed the breast milk with the baby. And she was like, I'm not sitting at home all day. Like we would go to the library together or play dates or go to the park or whatever. And everywhere she went, she would have to like, you know, ask for ice or whatever. And she kind of like made a system like you have, but it was so much bigger and bulkier and, you know, just not really sustainable. I think it was like a thermos for like food, not beverages or something. So it was bigger and she could put the ice around like the you know, a little Medela bottle of breast milk. So you finally made something that's just so much easier and it helps so many people that are caring for babies, not just the moms. Because I think we end up like feeling stuck at home, right? Exclusively pumping moms who are like, every time I leave the house, I have to bring the breast milk and all the stuff. And it's just too much. You know, I have to, I have to pack the cooler. I have to whatever. And they just feel trapped at home for like the first year of their baby's lives. So you're giving them not just the breast milk, but sounds like freedom too. And, you know, I'm just envisioning this based on things I've, I've heard and seen of people trying to use the breast milk and not even just store it. Yeah. Yeah. Our, it's so great that you say that because our slogan, like very early on. So I came up with this idea, um, and filed the provisional patent by myself three months when Colin was three months old, my first day back to work, people are like, when did you have the idea? I'm like, I can tell you the exact day. I can almost point to the email where I was at in the day where I was like, this is not going to work. Um, but <laughs> our slogan is free the mom, save the milk. That's like the whole idea is that we are empowering women to lead incredible lives while achieving their parenting and breastfeeding goals. That is, that is my mission. That is what I want to do. No matter how that shows up, um, I really love the research that's happening and I want to support that in any way I can. And Dr. Townsend is taking donations. So I don't know if anyone is listening to the podcast would like to send milk to Dr. Townsend and his group at Vanderbilt so they can, it's all, you know, it's all HIPAA, um, protected. It gets sent to a doctor. It's all anonymous. So there's nothing that gets associated back to a person, but they can reach out to you or info at series chill, which is C as in cat E R E S C H I L dot L L dot com. And, um, and I'll pass that information on to Dr. Townsend, but yeah, I, um, I, it's definitely about allowing women to get back out there in the world or back to their lives and still meet their, their goals as parents. Cause sometimes it seems like those things are mutually exclusive and you have to choose. And that might be the case in some instances, but it doesn't have to be the case in all instances. So yeah, I'm done with, I'm done with that craziness. I, whatever way I can help, I will. I love that. And I think sometimes many of the times the best solutions for breastfeeding things come from someone's struggle with it. So like you said, with both your children, what you've gone through, what you've experienced. Um, and, and you, like you said, I remember that, you know, the exact email I was at when I came up with this idea, because yeah, you, there was a gap in the market. There was a problem that needed to be solved. Right. I mean, one of the reasons I became an IBCLC was because I never got the help that I needed, despite 
you know, having some people that, you know, I thought would be helpful, like the pediatrician or the midwife or what, you know, they just didn't know. Right. So I was like, man, somebody's got to do something about this. And then after looking around for a while and I was like, well, okay, maybe that's someone's me. (laughs) And as it turns out, it is you. And now you are here showing up for all of us. Right. Yeah. And you too. And so you're still an attorney and you have created this product. And I just think that's incredible. Um, you know, just because if, you know, just to kind of maybe follow up on this note, you nursed your son till he was two. Um, was that something that like, once you maybe got the ties treated or because of your experience with your first, did you have that goal of nursing two years? I know you kind of said, if it was on day one, you thought I'd be doing this for the next 24 months. No, but like, did you just kind of see how it went day by day? Or did you say, I want to go as long as I can? What was that like? I think like for, I think it's pretty common with a lot of moms. I think that 24 months probably seems daunting. I mean, cause especially when you have a teeny tiny baby and you just get out of the hospital or you just have the home birth and you clean everything up that, um, that just seems so far out there. Um, I think that saying that rings so true for so many of us is the days are long, but the years are short. And so I am pretty sure I, I know 24 months was not my goal. I think we actually went to 25 too, because at that point you're just going so long. And the only way I was able to wean Colin was he went away with my parents. Um, and then when he came back, I'm like, ah, nope. And he's like, check his thing. Now he always says, check, check. And he starts to stick his hand like, to make sure. no, no checking. There's no point checking. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I just took it day by day. I think that's the best way to say it is day by day. And then we just got there and, um, it, it felt, it felt, really good. I felt like I had that it was the right time. I didn't wean him because he was two. Um, and that was necessary. It just, it was like, no, I think you need to be a little bit more independent. I also am trying to do a lot of things and you have lots of places you can get nutrition and it doesn't just have to be me anymore. So, um, yeah, I think it just 25 months just happened. It just, you just live it until the journey kind of seems to naturally come to an end, or at least it worked out that way for us. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think most of the time these, um, well, I like to call it normal term breastfeeding journeys, um, end up unintentionally, you know, um, I really, really good friend of mine. Um, our daughters are best friends. They're five. Um, her daughter very recently weaned at five and a half. Um, and it was, you know, very occasional sporadic and it just kind of naturally unfolded. And so I actually just talked to my friend about this last weekend and I said, cause they had gone on some trips and I said, Oh, it's like, is she like finally like weaned? And she was like, Oh yeah, I didn't tell you like, yeah, she nursed for the last time, like a few weeks ago. And she was like, I don't know if I could have had the heart to end it myself because I would have felt like I was, you know, depriving her or something. And she's like, but she just decided and she's, you know, like, she's done. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And I was like, would you want to come on my podcast and talk about it? And she was like, why? It's not anything special. And I was like, maybe not to you because you've lived it for the last five years. It's just become such a part of your life. You don't even think twice about it. But I'm like, 
there's a lot of people out there who would just can't conceive of that, you know? Um, so I think that's so beautiful the way things worked out for you, this, for your second child and you, and, um, my heart goes out to you for your, just how much you gave to both journeys and going through the tongue tie process is not easy. Um, as you explained. So thank you for sharing that with us too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate the opportunity because I, a similar to in what I went through, but having the support that I needed the second time and having that perspective on the first time, I just so wish that I had had a podcast like yours or, um, a leche league leader or a lactation sultan that could have said, this isn't your fault. And we can, we can still do this if this is something you want to do, you know, and been a lot more empowering because I have, I still have a lot of guilt around not breastfeeding my daughter and a lot of kind of, um, I don't know if sorrow is too strong of a word, but yeah, it's just too bad. It's, um, it's something that I really have to work on letting go of because it, I did the best I could for her and she's a very healthy little girl and, um, we're very lucky. So holding on to that is not very productive, but I think it's something that a lot of moms struggle with. And so I appreciate the opportunity to tell my story in case it, it prompts conversation, um, with other moms or gives them the information they need to be successful or make choices that are right for them, whether or not that's exclusively breastfeeding. That's not what being a good mom is about. Mm, Yes. Oh, I just love the way you said that. And thank you also for telling us how, just because you had a successful breastfeeding journey with a subsequent child, it doesn't mean that that took away any guilt that you felt about the way the first one ended up. Um, I think sometimes moms go into, you know, maybe a next pregnancy kind of thinking, okay, well, this time I'm going to get it right. And that's going to fix everything. Now I won't feel bad anymore, but that doesn't always happen. No, you know, I know a lot of people kind of, you know, I had a bad birth experience the first time this one's going to be the better, this is going to be the healing one. And sometimes that happens, but it doesn't always happen. And that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think going into it, knowing that you need to look after yourself and your baby and, um, and, and listen to your own intuition. And then what more than one person has to say will get you where you want to be as far as your breastfeeding and parenting goals. Um, but staying isolated and suffering is definitely not the way to get there. And I think that's the message you regularly share with your listeners and with people who are part of your community. And so that's, that's a huge part of being successful for sure. Oh, well, that's awesome. <laughs> I know we'll, we'll start the mutual admiration society. And then all of the awesome moms that are struggling in their breastfeeding journey can join. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I love what you said too, about like, you're never going to get all the breastfeeding support you need in one place. I don't promise that to anybody. Like that would be so silly. You know, um, I just don't know. I mean, you know, that's, and I'm not the right person for everybody. Like you said, your product's not the right product for everybody. And the episode really isn't about your product. It's about like how all of this has come to be through your journey and your experience and everything, um, which is just amazing. And, you know, I would say that even though you've gone through the grief and struggles that you have, you've created something really beautiful that helps other people in the world. So 
um, you know, your pain is not without a purpose, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, thank you. That is a great way to look at it. I, um, I appreciate that. I will, I will hold on to that, especially when I have my, my hard days. But yeah, we all do. We all do. And that's okay. So whether it's breastfeeding or anything else, I try to tell people breastfeeding is just like the rest of life. Most days are not going to be really amazing days. Um, if they are, that's awesome. I'm really happy for you, but I would not set yourself up with that expectation. No, you, you may very well be disappointed. So, well, thank you, Lisa. You're incredible. Um, I will link up, uh, like you said, your email address or, or any way to get in touch with Dr. Townsend for anyone who wants to uh, participate in that. Um, your website, any other fun stuff to link up to and people can stay in touch with you, find out more about your product there. Terrific. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. Did you know that most moms struggle to produce enough breast milk for their babies or wonder if they're able to provide enough? As a mom of two who struggled with my own breastfeeding journey and was led to become a lactation consultant who now supports fellow moms and their babies, I created a product for breastfeeding moms who struggle with the frustration of trying it all but still weren't able to make enough breast milk for their babies. I've taken years of research and clinical experience to create a natural, organic, herbal blend to holistically support breast milk production to balance your hormones and to restore nutrients back to your body postpartum. This is called the Advanced Lactation Formula by Holistic Lactation, and it's now available on Amazon. If you'd like the link to this product to learn more, just head to the show notes and check it out. Also, you can visit my website at holisticlactation.com to learn more.